This is Wheel Bearings. I'm Dan Roth from Forbes. I'm Dan. I'm not. You are. <laughs> you want to start again or you want to leave it? <laughs> Let's keep going. I'm right. Sam Abu Al Samad. I'm not Dan Roth, and I'm, I'm from uh, Navigant Research. And you should I be? You're, you're also Dan Roth. <laughs> you cannot escape. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I'm Sam Abu Samad from. Oh, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm Rebecca Lindland from Rebecca Drives. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad that we're all punchy this evening. Uh, clearly, none of us has caught the latest coronavirus or whatever. Um, but you guys are back from the Chicago Auto Show. That was a great uh, episode we did last week, uh, remote in three parts. That was actually, it was great. We had a nice uh, normal sized show in th- in three easy to assemble bites. So um, I enjoyed it. It, it was to, cool. You didn't cool. have to do any audio alignment, just had to drop them in. Uh, yeah. Would would you use logic? Uh, I use audition. Okay, um, but it it was yeah, it was night. I recorded some bookends just for giggles, yep. and uh, off we went. Um, inside baseball aside, let's talk about what we're we're driving because uh, it's been a little while. You guys didn't talk about that last week because uh, you were talking about what you were sitting in instead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Sam, you have the well. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I was going to start with the, the media cards, but now I'm thinking. Let's Rebecca, start with Rebecca. Yeah. <laughs> you, you you went out to, to Illinois. I looked at the pictures you, you uploaded to, to Slack. I was like a, a detective. I was like, where is she? Where <laughs> yeah. is that thing? I so, looked at the So in the background of one of the pictures, there was a AAA truck, and I lifted the area code off oh the AAA gosh, truck to figure out where exactly you were. <laughs> I was so intrigued. Um, I was also dodging doing other stuff that I didn't want to do. But uh, yeah, so you, you went out to Illinois and, and got a, a, a nice uh, sort of tie, a time in, in like a high miles vehicle. Dan, Dan, hold on a second. Dan, you could have just looked at the license plate on the. Uh, I, no, I knew it was Illinois, but I didn't know like, well, so A, it was, did they drive the thing from Illinois to Connecticut? Like, is that Greenwich I'm looking at? Didn't look like Greenwich. <laughs> And so I was like, okay, so it must be Illinois. And I was like, all right, well, there's, there's an area there. Okay. So that narrowed it down to basically the general area. Um, and, and then I looked at the, at the picture of the interior and I saw like the college sticker on the back. I was like, oh, okay. And it's a, it's a, it's a university in Indiana. So I did my detective work. <laughs> you were busy. <laughs> I was, it was like, I was eating an apple. It was lunchtime. I was just. <laughs> Killing some time. I have to remember which pictures I upload next time. Uh, <laughs> yes, be careful. <laughs> so, yes. So, and I'm going to give a shameless plug. Uh, so, my cousin Pam and her husband Jeff and their four amazing, wonderful kids, uh, they live out in Wheaton, Illinois. And Pam actually has a really fantastic uh, floral business out there where she does uh, called Bloom Floral and she does uh, flower arrangements for all different kinds of events and such. And so, uh, and her husband, Jeff is a pastor in Elmhurst and, and actually my college roommate lives out there as well. So what I typically do is after the Chicago auto show, then on that Friday, then I go out to Wheaton and spend the weekend and see people that I love, which is fun. So you were in Illinois anyway, right? Exactly. Yeah. So historically I had, I usually will grab a press car from somebody, but the reality is that Generally, it is snowing there almost every day in February, and they have uh, they have a like a 
is is what's it called when the um like t- a tandem driveway i was thinking of the railroad the shotgun houses but it's it's a tandem okay. driveway and so and they have three cars so adding a fourth car we just end up juggling cars so instead i got an uber or lyft i actually got a lyft specifically and just didn't have a car but uh pam and jeff both do a lot of uh really fantastic uh charity work and and they have they support a lot of uh a lot of people within the community and such and so i actually had to pick up somebody to bring her to a commercial kitchen where she volunteers and and works and such and so in the process of doing that i drove in a 2008 honda odyssey with 198,000 miles on it and what amazed me was just how good this thing still was. Like, I mean, and this thing has, has not been garaged. It's, you know, it's been out in that beaten weather all these 12 years. And it was just, it was fun to drive an older vehicle like that because keeping in mind that, you know, the average vehicle is at 11 and a half years old. And yeah. this is what people are driving. You know, it was just, it was such a great example. So of course, you know, the, the, um, at first I didn't think it had any kind of backup camera at all, but it actually does. It has the one that's in the rear view mirror, like the little corner two by two inch one. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember those? So the, yeah. So the display <laughs> is embedded in the, in the side of them, in the edge of the mirror. Yes. Which I discovered okay. the second time that I backed up uh, because the first wait, time. Wait, wait, not <laughs> the, the interior rear view mirror. Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah back, yeah, back in the day, Dan, before, before they started putting screens everywhere in cars, yeah, um, you know, on on a lot of on a lot of the early vehicles with backup cameras, they would just put a little like like Rebecca said, like a little two inch square <clears throat> LCD embedded in the interior rearview mirror and project you know project the view from the camera uh, right on there. Yeah, I think I mean I think I vaguely recall that from like my first days of press cars, uh, and it's just it makes me. Um, curious why uh it was such a big deal when who who was it that just released or just said like they've got the first backup camera that's integrated in there and some i don't know i forget it's it's probably just sort of like marketing pr nonsense that um they recently pretty much was changed something around and like now it's it's this fancy camera display in your rear view mirror oh are you thinking of oh you're thinking of the camera view where yeah, the, you flip the you flip the rearview mirror and then you can actually see the entire back, uh, so like for towing or if you've got storage in the back. Yeah, I, I think is that where you're talking actually, about? No, there was actually another recent announcement um, yeah. that I I can't remember who it was, um, but uh, it, just keep talking. It's not it's not important. It's I'll, not I'll important. Like, None of the things I say are important. <laughs> Let's just keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so. With with two hundred thousand miles on it, what's there? Is it, this is I think this is actually one of the things that is kind of interesting to our listeners because um, they own vehicles that are. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of them own vehicles that are this age or are yes. getting there. Uh, no, normal people have cars that are are uh, up there in age and miles because they're so ex- so expensive, and they take long enough to pay off that by the time you're done paying for them, you want to get all the the use out of them. Um, how's their experience like with ownership been has it been troublesome has it been i mean i'm I'm not sure how much you 
chatted about it, but right. Not at all. They haven't had any issues with this vehicle. And, you know, they, I mean, one of the reasons it has so many miles on it is because uh, her family, my cousins are in uh, Pennsylvania or in Eastern Pennsylvania and then also New Jersey. And they, they, I'm pretty sure they've driven it down to Florida as well uh, on family vacations because there's six of them. And, and so you know, so and and her family. My uncle used to have a place in Florida. So you know, these are these are both a combination of highway miles, but then an awful lot of local miles as well. I mean, you know, she uh, Pam is also a voiceover actress, and so she may go into Chicago every now and then, but she really primarily is around town. And so there's a combination of these long drives, you know, at certain times of the year, and then just hauling kids back and forth. All of her kids are athletes. All of them play sports in one way or the other. Uh, one goes to Taylor, as you mentioned, in Indiana, and the other three all went to Wheaton nearby. But uh, Wheaton, Wheaton, wait, 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 which Wheaton? There's a Wheaton here. Wheaton College um, in, in Wheaton, Illinois. The, oh. Christian, the Christian school. Yeah. Oh, that's but, not the Wheaton College that's here? In no, no. <laughs> no. I thought they two. were the same. No, there's two Wheaton uh, Colleges. <laughs> oh, I'm so confused. You are learning so many things tonight, I, Dan. I, I'm so <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> Look, I went to state school. It was not. <laughs> so, but yeah, so, you know, I mean, that was the thing that struck me, as I said, was that this is a typical car. That's on the road today. So this was clearly a very dolled up affair because it did have that backup camera. Uh, it it doesn't have remote. It doesn't have any kind of remote start or anything like that. It's, uh, you know, it has the electric on the on the key fob. It has the power doors and, and uh, you know, and remote unlock on the key fob. Um, but you know, the, the tailgate and, and of course it has the stow and go or not the stow and go. What is the magic seat that Honda calls it? Uh, oh, the, right, the magic. So what does the magic seat do? It, it moves out, makes a hall, like a hallway in the middle, right? No. So the <laughs> magic seat, so the, the, it, uh, there's a big cavernous, uh, bit, uh, um, oh, the, call the, it. the third, the third row, right, the third row tumbles right. in to that. Yeah, I don't that know. Space. If, I don't know if if Honda used the magic seat term on that for the the minivans. That oh, magic okay. seat was the the fold up the back seat in the fit. Um, and, but yeah, you're right. You know, the, these uh, these this third row seat, you know, just kind of flips back and into that bin, so you have a flat load floor back there. And that's actually the way um, the other minivans, the Toyota Sienna and the uh, the Chrysler minivans uh, work now as work now as well. So it's it's like the stow and go, basically the same concept as the stow and go. But I think Honda was actually the first to do this. Right, they were. So I thought they still called it. I feel like when I was doing some research, I thought they still called it the Magic Seat. But the, oh, Magic Slide is I think what they called it. But it's basically it it, it folds mostly flat into the the third row, um, and then it had those. It it has the the quick release doors that close automatically on the two sides, uh, but it's again it's not. Uh, I don't think you can close the doors electronically, and there's not like a button like you have to pull the handle and then the door goes. So you know it had. I mean, this was again. This was clearly an upper range model because it does have a lot of amenities in it. So but, it but was. Look at, look at these photos. You know it. 
you know, it looks like, you know, it's in pretty amazing shape for, you know, a it is car with in, a vehicle uh, with 200,000 miles on it. It is in amazing shape inside and out and with four kids inside. Like, I mean, it's impressive. Four kids, two dogs at any given time. You know, what it what that van has put up with <laughs> is just phenomenal. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it was because it was and the way it drove, it was quiet. It was, you know, the steering was maybe a little bit loose, but I actually ended up driving it to the airport, which was a good 30 miles. And, you know, so really got a feel for it on the highway as well. The visibility was terrific in it, of course. But, you know, again, it was just, it was impressive. It was just impressive for that many miles to be in that good condition and not garaged either. You know, so Pam had told me, she's like, we really haven't had major issues with it. You know, I will say that her husband is a little bit uh, picky about his vehicles. And so I'm sure he's taken exceptional care of it. But it also shows how much life you can get out of a vehicle, even if you can't garage it, but just taking really good care of it. It has very little body wear on it. You know, there's a little pat, a couple of patches, uh, a little rust on it. But again, we're talking about Chicago 12 Chicago winters. Right. I thought cars yeah. just kind of melted. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> they, they, that's what the, I mean, those things, they just get devoured by salt around here. So, it, yeah, exactly. So, kudos to Honda because it really, it's a remarkable vehicle. And, uh, and just to, uh, um, verify what you said, they, Honda does in fact refer to that third row as a magic seat. Oh, they do. Uh, okay. So, yes. So, you were right. I love being right. So, and it's, you know, <laughs> it was interesting because my, uh, my brother and his wife bought one of those about the same year. Um, and it hit, it, it hit like the 120, 100,000 mile range. And there's an expensive service they need. Like the timing belt is expensive to do, sure, but like it's, sure. it's, it's like wear items, you know, and, and any car these days has, has something around that age, that gets expensive, but a coworker has one that's like the same, same year. And, um, you know, every car has its different circumstances. So who knows what, what theirs has gone through, but she came in a couple of weeks ago and it was like the check engine light was blinking. And she's like, is that bad? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's never <laughs> you, good. <laughs> like when it's, when it's on, it's bad. When it's blinking, it's worse. Right. So, uh, it, let's, let's check it. And a quick Google was like, oh yeah, that's something major. That's like a major misfire. Um, <sighs> and, uh, apparently sometimes the spark plugs like to come apart. And so you get like the electrode smashing around inside the cylinder. So I was like, Ooh, um, that's not good. Yeah. That's and it, good it ran with like a very obvious skip it wasn't it didn't sound like uh, you know like like hammering like if there was something actually in one of the cylinders but i was like you should have this flat bedded to the yeah. dealer <laughs> so that they can diagnose it and it, it doesn't break on the way because you know in my cowboy days i've been like oh we'll head out to to, to we'll, we'll aim for the dealer and see how far we get that's <laughs> not not anything I would recommend for anybody else. Um, and so Especially they, if you're hauling a bunch of kids around. Yeah, exactly. If you have a minivan, you need kids uh, or you, you need a minivan because you've got kids. Um, and this is, so she took it to the deal and they called back. She's like, so they said I need like a new engine. I need rings because it was, you know, pulling oil past the rings and fouling the plugs. It's like, oh, you could just have them replace the plugs. It'll be fine for a while. <laughs> she's like, no, 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 we have to fix it. Like, I need the car to work. 
So they, they, I am assuming they've rebuilt the engine, you know, honed the cylinders and, and threw rings in it and hopefully did the bearings in the lower end and stuff. But, uh, it was, it was a surprise to me. Like that's the first real instance I've seen of a modern car needing, needing that kind of thing. And I, I think part of it is just, uh, you know, the, the kind of use a minivan gets, but they're, they're always hard miles. They're in town, they're stop and go. That's yep. like the hardest miles a car can do. Exactly. And, um, you know, not everybody commits to fixing the car when it runs into that kind of thing. They usually just say like, well, we'll just, we'll just get a new one. Especially if it's at a dealer service department, they, they will happily refer you to the sales guys so they can sign you up oh, for yeah. another six years of payments, um, for, for a job that you would, you know, you could have put it on a credit card and paid it off in a couple of months. Uh, but you know, shh, we won't talk about reality. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just want it to smell better. Uh, so yeah, uh, it, but it sounds like they haven't had that issue. It's not like a, not an endemic problem with the, the Odyssey. No, it's definitely not. Um, and they also have, uh, what was their other, they also have an absolutely ancient, ancient, uh, Ford F-150 and they sold their like 1986 Toyota Camry for a dollar to somebody this weekend as well. So oh, I missed that transaction. That's, uh, that's like one of that's it the may have first been a Camry. 90. It, no, I'm sorry. Oh. It may have been a 1990 or something, but it was or two, a 2000 rather, or 2000. It was oh, old. Yeah. It was really old. And that one had all sorts of, um, they were having all sorts of issues with it and somebody else was driving it. And then um, I honestly, I can't think of what her husband drives because i barely saw it but um yeah so it, it was it was an array of of um of typical vehicles that yeah. are on the road you know that people yeah, are driving I mean, we, we we have a family friend that uh also they, they currently have an odyssey a, a 2016 but they before that they had like a 2002 or three odyssey that they they drove pretty much into the ground you know, and, you know, hauling around the kids and, you know, hauling around hockey gear and all kinds of other, um, detritus over the years. And, uh, you know, they, they had a great experience with that one too. You know, and I think, you know, what you described, Rebecca, sounds like, you know, it's the, the ideal use case, you know, for a minivan, you know, when you've got a family to haul around, you got people to haul around, you know, a minivan is just so much more useful and practical than an SUV, you know, absolutely. For this kind of case. Well, and it can get you through so many life stages because it can get you through all the, all the children's life stages. And then in their case, you know, like her, her mom, my aunt is 80. And so, you know, getting in and out of that van was super easy yeah. and, you know, and then, you know, with the seats moving and stuff, you can put, you can still put so much gear in and, and in Pam's case, she started this floral business. So now they haul some stuff, you know, in the floral business. And it's just, I mean, there's, there really are, there's so many uses for a minivan and it's, they're, they're really hard to beat in many ways, even though, man, I did feel matronly driving that. Thing. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's, <laughs> I, I drove vans when I was not even married, you know, and I mean, like, yeah. you still got married? No, not, it, <laughs> they weren't my vans. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, as part of my jobs, you know, sometimes you wind up in in the van and, uh, you know, they have their uses and, and that's where the, the charm is. Yeah, I, I, look, I'm still amazed <laughs> I got married. 
Um, not because I didn't want to, because she agreed. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but the, the, you know, and the other thing with the minivan that's handy is if you're a, a voiceover artist, it can be a handy, uh, you know, sound booth, no matter where yes, you go. Is she, uh, exactly. is she, is she a member of SAG or AFTRA? I believe she is. Yes. And then oh, she yeah. also has a children's book out. Yeah, she's oh, a really talented lady. You guys are all entrepreneurs. Yeah, she's a pretty cool. She's a pretty cool chick. Um, so uh, yeah, so no, it's a it was it was a lot of fun. A great great weekend. Are you ready uh, now to get back in brand new, highly luxurious cars you don't own? Well, so I'm in a Lexus GX five seventy uh, right we now. We talked about yeah, uh, and I so mean, we'll talk about that next time. Speaking of cars from two thousand eight. Yeah, no, that's no, that's the that's the LX. This is the GX. Yeah, but the GX is no spring chicken either. It is no spring chicken either, and fortunately, the the floor mats are labeled GX, so I can remember which one I'm driving. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the other thing I'm doing next week is the Corvette Stingray drive. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Get really excited about where where is that? Um, Can you divulge? If you can't say, yes, like, I just I have to think about it. It's in it's Las nice. Vegas. Oh, well, that'd be a good, good yeah, place for the it. Las Vegas. You know, there's, some good, there's some good roads there once you get out of town up into the mountains. You know what, though? I feel like they're they're really short selling that car. They need to bring it up to like Palmer Motorsports Park or like Club Motorsports up here in New Hampshire this mm. time of year. Just show, <laughs> just show off. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see what the what the roads are like and such. Um, but I'm also very interested you know, when we think about all those screens, I'm interested to see how all those buttons play out. I, yeah, I so my expectation and we can we can revisit this when, we can, when you come back. Yes. Uh, my expectation is that you're going to use it and you're you're going to you'll at least say it's not as bad as you think. You may actually really like it. It might actually work really well. Yeah, no, it might. It might. I, I I'll be interested. So I shall report back. Or, or you, or you may just drive it and have so much fun driving that you forget the buttons are even there. I, which is I, probably more likely. That is more likely because it is a convertible. So, oh, probably even better. Eh, eh, convertible. Jeez, oh, Dan, you're such a curmudgeon. Uh, I am. <laughs> oh no, my gosh. Uh, Convertibles are the best. I, the very first car I ever bought was a convertible. The very first car I ever rolled was not a convertible, but it reminded <laughs> me that it's good to have a roof there. So in case you roll over, it scarred me for life. It's like I would have been I would have been like. But, but on the other hand, if you have a convertible, then you, you have a lower center of gravity because you don't have all that extra mass up there. Yeah. So you're less likely to roll. Yeah. When you're 17, you can roll anything. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, now let's talk about actual. I'm new sorry. Cars. I don't, or, do, or is there some? It, no, it's not the convertible. I don't know where my head was. It's it's just the Corvette. It's Targa, though. It's, it's just still yes. Targa. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it, make sure you take the Targa fun. roof off, or you know. So the the Corvette. I was actually um not to completely divert, but like I'm I'm really interested in that car because it seems like they've done such a thorough job of engineering it. Um, it's such a big change just, you know, the way they talk about like how the back glass is extra thick. They had a real problem with noise, trying to get the noise Mm. down because you went from having the engine three or four feet away in front of you to right right behind your ear. Yeah, for sure. Um, so they had to do a lot of work to make, and not just keep it quiet, but get the right sounds in the interior because you still want to hear it roar, um, through the intake and, and stuff like that. You really can't hear the exhaust on it much at all. Uh, so it was just, it's such an interesting 
car and it, it like it's been cooking for so long the the mid-engine corvette and yeah. and really uh it's as much of a shift as the the 84 corvette was the 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 dave hill yeah, car no absolutely it's it's stunning so we we are going up to spring mountain which i haven't been to before oh nice that's a nice track yeah so which i prefer because i did i was on a track outside of vegas uh with the fiat 500 abarth years ago and I didn't love it, but I think part of it was they had put chicanes in it, very specific and, and points that were much more, it didn't have flow. Like it was a super technical track, but without the nice flow that you want from a technical track. And it just, I don't know, I was kind of dreading it, but no, so Spring Mountain, that'll be really, that'll be cool. Well, hey, take lots of videos and stuff. I'll keep you posted. You, if you can, yeah. You, you want to send you a GoPro? I'll send you a GoPro. You know what? I have a GoPro, but it's really old. Yeah, mine too. I got to file dig it out though. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Maybe I'll order one. We'll see. I have a few days. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, you can write it off for taxes, right? For next year. Uh. Exactly. Anything I can write (laughs) off. All right. right, Anyway, so what do you guys drive? (laughs) Yeah, well, Sam's driving the high performance Edge, the Edge ST, which. uh, Uh, No, Explorer. Explorer ST. I'm sorry. Explorer ST. Uh, So, how is it? It's, it's, Uh-oh. it's, uh, it's, it's powerful. It's got lots of power. Um, you know, and I mean, generally I like the Explorer, the new Explorer. Um, it's definitely much better than the old one. You know, it's got better visibility, you know, it's, it's, it's roomier. Um, you know, since I initially did the, the, the launch drive in the Explorer last June out in, uh, out in Oregon, uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to drive the Palisade, the Hyundai Palisade and the Kia Telluride. And, you know, those, you know, I think from a packaging standpoint are actually probably a little bit better. And certainly the, I think the, um, the Palisade in particular, you know, has probably, you know, some slightly nicer interior, um, you know, maybe a little more upscale looking, um, than the Explorer, um, you know, but neither, you know, neither of the, the Hyundai Kia SUVs, you know, have the, they're, they're both based on front wheel drive platforms. They don't have the kind of performance capability that the Explorer ST does, you know, I wouldn't call this, um, you know, an all, you know, an all out performance SUV. You know, I think I'm, I'm less convinced of the efficacy of putting the ST badge on this and on the, uh, on the edge than some of the folks at, at Ford performance have tried to convince me, uh, that they deserve it. Um, but you know, nonetheless, it's, it's fairly quick. Um, you know, but being powered by an, uh, a Ford EcoBoost V6, um, you know, as is often the case, you know, there's a lot more boost than there is Eco. Um, you know, <laughs> the, the week, the week I had it, um, you know, it was, you know, it was on the cold side. It was, you know, in the mid twenties, most of the week. And, you know, this thing averaged about 14 and a half miles per huh. gallon. Wait, is that the 2.7 yeah. or the, no, this is the, this is the three liter, um, oh, it's, a three, it's, so a, it's four, right. four, 400 horsepower. Uh, all wheel drive is standard on the ST. Um, you know, so, you know, it's, it's a bit of a pig when it comes to using fuel. 14. That's awful. Yeah, Yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's not good. Um, what were you doing with it? Like, was you just 10 year old? I mean, that's 10 year old. just, (laughs) Just, just driving it around. I mean, I, I didn't even, you know, I, I didn't even, you know, thrash it very much. You know, it was mostly just driving around town, uh, you know, a couple of highway trips. Uh, you know, I, it was mostly around town driving. It wasn't a lot of highway driving on it. So that, 
you know, that definitely, you know, pushed it in that direction. Um, but still, you know, it's, it's just not very fuel efficient to, to put it mildly. Um, you know, well, and it's the rated, that, the EPA rating is 18 yeah. city and, and 24 highway. The thing um, is that that's how but, you, you know, drove it is how people will drive it. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, no, absolutely. And, wow. And in cold weather conditions, you know, this is, you're probably going to get about 14 to 16 miles per gallon with this thing. I, I would think, you know, unless you're being really gentle with it. Um, you know, and, that's bad. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not good. And, and this is, you know, and you know, the, like I said, you know, when I first drove it, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice engine, but it's not that big a step up from, you know, from even the, uh, certainly not from the, the 2.7 liter um, or no, let's see. They have no, even the, the other V6 is also a three liter, um, but it's just, it's a less powerful version. It's 400 horsepower in the ST. It's 365 um, in the, um, the XLT uh, or the limited. And, you know, so it's not that big of a jump in power. It does have, you know, more tire and bigger brakes and things like that on the ST. Um, but, you know, I mean, you're not, you're not going to be driving this thing like a sports car and, you know, you're better, you're probably better off. I think even going with the, the base 2.3 liter four cylinder, you know, which has 315 horsepower and is going to be significantly more fuel efficient than this. And there's also the hybrid version, which is even more so. The hybrid's the um, one to get. I mean, uh, yeah. the... I think the, they've they've probably made the right decision giving it more engine and ST trim than really you know sort of tightening up the chassis, uh, which I'm sure it rides and handles okay, uh, yeah, more than fine. But uh, the thing that's going to impress that buyer, I think, is like when you stomp on it, does the damn thing go? And I'm sure it does. Oh, it it, it definitely goes. Um, but you know, like I say, even the 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 you know the mid-level trims with the, the regular three liter um they go pretty well too you know it's not that much quicker that's that's the thing it's not the the difference in performance is not that noticeable because the other engine is is so close to this that there's it doesn't seem like it's worth it um and you know especially when you consider that this thing costs just shy of sixty thousand dollars oh yeah the the sticker including delivery came to fifty nine thousand five hundred and twenty dollars. I'm I'm sorry, that's wow. a Lincoln. That's that's an AV. That's that's a Lincoln yeah. price. I mean, for that, I, wow. I would you're all, you're better off to buy the Aviator, and the Aviator's got a nicer interior. Can you can you um, do they overlap at that point? I mean, I'm I'm sure you can. Yeah, get they're an they're pretty for, for they're they're pretty close. Um, uh, you know, the <laughs> other thing that annoyed me about this one. When I drove it last June, you know, so the ST and the Platinum uh, are the only explorers that have the the 10 inch uh, touchscreen in the middle. And what Ford did was when they decided to put the 10 inch in there, um, they went the, the the base models have an eight inch screen and they picked the 10 inch because and they they turned it 90 degrees and made it a portrait screen instead of a landscape screen. because you can fit a 10 inch screen in the same width as the eight inch screen. So it fits in between the, the vents that are on the, uh, on the dashboard. And when, when they did that, they did, they didn't, you know, they did some rearrangement of the, the sync three interface, 
but they didn't do a very good job of it. It's not very complete. And, you know, when you're just using, you know, the, the built-in stuff, the built-in sync three stuff, it works fine. But when you're using, um, when, uh, when you're using Android auto or Apple CarPlay, now it just uses the top half of the screen for the CarPlay display. And then the rest, you know, it's got a, big box that says Android auto preferences or Apple CarPlay preferences. Yeah. You know, so it's basically wasting, you know, more than half of that screen. So they didn't uh, recalibrate it. For... No, they didn't, they didn't re reflow everything. Wow. And you know, so it's, it's not re I would not recommend, you know, going with that one. Uh, you know, I, I, I say, if you want an Explorer, I would go with, you know, the mid-level like the XLT um, or the limited and, uh, get the, you know, stick with the eight inch screen instead of upgrading to the 10 inch. Cause it's, you're, you're not really getting anything extra for it. So is this just more illustration of how, cause this launch has not gone well. Like this is part of the reason why Ford <laughs> yeah. told That's Joe, one way of saying it. Uh, Joe Henrich to take a hike. Um, uh, he made a classy exit, but this is, this is one of the, one of the things that's dragging Ford down right now is the launch of the Explorer and the Aviator, but mostly the Explorer, right? The way that it's rolled yeah, out. Yeah, because that's that's the high volume model. Yeah. Um, so it just seems like the 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 sort of product plan or or just the ideas behind it were not fully baked or like it certainly seems that way. Yeah. I did mean, they did they think it? nobody would did they think nobody would notice or that it wouldn't matter? I, like with the screen? I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I think they're they're hoping that people, you know, people mostly just stick with the standard Sync 3 stuff, which, you know, works better than the, you know, using CarPlay or Android, Android Auto in this thing. Um, you know, I think next, you know, probably, uh, you know, for 2021, you know, or maybe, you know, partway through 2021, it'll probably get an upgrade to Sync 4, which should be better, uh, you know, because that's that's actually designed uh, to support portrait screens. Uh, among other things, and so, but that won't be back backward compatible to the 2020 models uh, because it requires different hardware. Uh, and you know, as you've been um, talking, I pulled up the uh, Lincoln Aviator. The mid the mid level Aviator Reserve model starts at 56,190, and it has the same powertrain in it, the same 300, 400 horsepower V6. There, and I'm I'm sure that they're. They're two different frames of mind, right? The ST is dressed up differently. The Lincoln is clearly, um, yeah. I mean, it's got a little luxury. sportier look to it, yeah. Yeah, and the the Lincoln is more luxurious. But you know, I think you know for for that kind of money, I would probably go with the Lincoln. You know, if I'm going to spend sixty grand on it, I would go with the Aviator. Well, and also, just what else in the market can you get for sixty grand? You know, uh, a that's lot. A, right, and that's <laughs> like. The uh, one and a half Palisades. I mean, oh my gosh. Right. And that's the thing is that people or a Palisade don't and a Sonata. You can get a 2008 Honda Odyssey and a down payment on a house. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people don't shop in isolation and it just sounds, I feel like sometimes, and Ford is not the only one guilty of this, but I feel like they sometimes, you know, just operate in isolation. I mean, not that they don't do their due diligence when it comes to pricing, but there's a lot out there for that kind of money. It's crazy. Yeah, no, uh, that's absolutely true. Um, yeah, it's it's not that it's a bad vehicle overall, but it is it, it is kind of thirsty on fuel, and the the um, 
the infotainment just doesn't really work on that portrait screen. Well, they, they, I'm sure that their expectations for the ST in particular are not high volume. Um, it, it's, um, actually, I don't know about that. Really? I think, you know, like on the edge, I think the ST is now like over 20% of sales. Well, to, to be fair, the edge ST storms down the highway, like something German. I was so impressed with yeah. that thing. I, it, it's not a great handler either. It's a little clumsy, but Man, it's got long legs. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it was it was not that it was not thirsty to the tune of fourteen miles to the gallon when I drove it. So, uh, you know how how does it drive? I, I feel like we didn't necessarily. It, it drives really well. I mean, yeah. you know the 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 ST is definitely a little stiffer than the mid level trims, um, but you know it's not it's not uncomfortable at all, and. You know, it's got really good driving dynamics because, you know, this is a new rear wheel drive platform, uh, you know, and it's got the, a similar um, architect, rear suspension architecture to what's on the Mustang. It's, it's an integral link rear suspension system. So it's a multi-link setup. The, the front is struts. And that's another difference between the Explorer and the Aviator. The, the Explorer has a strut front suspension system. On the Aviator, they actually go, they have a completely different setup with dual control arms, uh, short long arm suspension system on the on the front, so it's actually even a little better. But nonetheless, you know this is this is still a, a really good package, um, you know. And it, I think, I think it generally has you know better driving dynamics than what you're going to get on many of the comparable vehicles in this class. But it's not, you know, I guess you know looking at I'm looking at the pricing, you know, the limited. You know, which has, uh, which is also has the, it has the 365 horsepower version of the V6, uh, you know, is available, it starts at 48,000. And you can also get that one with the, with the hybrid. And then, you know, the ST starts at 55. And, you know, the ST, you know, you go from a chrome grill and, and chrome trim to, to blacked out trim and, and grill. Um, you know, so it does have a little more aggressive look to it, but it's just, you know, it's just not that much more. So it just doesn't seem to, to me, you know, if I was, if I was buying an Explorer, you know, I would go with, with a limited rather than the, the ST. Well, yeah. And you're never going to feel that even the, 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 what is it? 35 horsepower difference. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> you know, like driving back to back, maybe you'll feel it, but eh, in practice, you're not, you're not going to notice that. That's, it's not that no, much. You're not. So, um, but you know, from, from there, you know, I also had, um, the new escape for a week, which, um, was, I, I, I think, you know, I would actually go with, if I was, if I was in the market, you know, I would probably actually go with the escape because I don't need a vehicle as big as the Explorer. Now, obviously some people, you know, need a three row SUV, um, you know, but they, Escape, I think, is actually you know is more my style. You know, I, I like that smaller size. It's more nimble feeling. It's certainly a lot lighter than the Explorer. Now, you know, the one I had was the um, was a platinum, uh, you know, or sorry, a titanium. Yeah, and you know, it was pretty much loaded. Uh, had a really nice uh, color on it. it. Was a what they call dark Persian green. It's it's a really kind of a dark bluish green. Uh, color to it which is a really cool looking color um and it had the two liter uh eco boost which uh you know in in the my time with it 
I averaged about 27 and a half miles per gallon, which is much better. Yeah, it's a little and, better. <laughs> yeah, you know, and this is this is also all wheel drive. Uh, and, you know, it had auto stop start, which uh, the Explorer also had. Um, but, you know, I think the the thing about the um, the Escape, you know, is compared to, uh, you know, it always comes down now to, for me, to comparing, you know, everything else against the comparable Mazda. And when <laughs> I compare, when I compare the Escape to the CX-5, you know, we've complained in the past about the pricing on the CX-5. This Escape was $39,775. And while the interior is way better than the last generation Escape, you know, it's just, it's not as good as the Mazda. You know, you, there are hard plastic surfaces that are within reach. You know, it's it's nicer um, than before. It's certainly much better laid out than before. Um, you know, one of the things I do like about the new Escape is they did lower the belt line. The visibility out of this thing is much better than, than the previous generation. Uh, I think the driving dynamics overall are a lot better. Um, but you know, it's if you're going to go with the titanium, it's going to be pricey, just like the Explorer is pricey. I mean, you can certainly get you know an Escape for a lot less money. You, can, you know, get the get them starting in the mid twenties. Uh, but uh, if you want the high end Escape, it's going to cost you. Well, I think we can all agree too that Mazda has done a fantastic job on their interiors, and I think it's one of the places that that GM and Ford continue to struggle with is just you know some of the interiors just are not are not as good as the competition yeah no that's that's absolutely true i I totally agree i liked driving the escape um and i think it looks really nice uh on on the exterior in particular you know and and it, it feels like the focus that it's based on so it drives pretty well um and I get, I get what you're saying. Like if you're in the market, you'd buy the escape. But I think if you, if you're in, in the Ford market, that's what you would buy. But if you're in the market for that class of vehicle, you know, yeah, I, I think that there's as good as the escape is, man, the competition is right there with them. And the, you know, even the RAV4 is really, really good in that class. Uh, it, no, absolutely. And, and the, yeah, the hybrid, I love the, uh, I love the hybrid version of, but again, we're talking about competition. There's so much competition yeah. in that space. Yeah, and it's but it's expensive too. Like that's the problem I'm, I'm having with all the the recent Fords is that they're they're just yeah they're pricey. Yeah, no, you're yeah. absolutely right. And you know, while Ford is you know certainly had uh, launch challenges with the Explorer, you know, with just trying to get them out of the factory, you know, in a condition that is acceptable for delivery to customers. Um, you know, I suspect that the pricing is has also been a challenge for a lot of customers. You know, it's they're they're starting to get, you know, kind of unaffordable. Um, and that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, for 60 grand, you could drive what I drove. <laughs> <laughs> well, Which was before, before we get uh, into uh, that, I, I just want to touch on one more one more car that I had. Uh, since we last talked oh, about that's right. we were driving and uh, just briefly, and that's the, uh, the Mazda three. Uh, but I had a Mazda three with the six speed manual transmission. Oh, how was it? Was it everything? Oh, it's everything we hoped it would be. It was excellent. It was absolutely uh, outstanding. You know, I, I love the Mazda three. I love everything about the Mazda three, except the visibility out of it, <laughs> which, you know, 
it's the op they've gone the opposite way that Ford did with the escape, which, you know, higher belt line, you know, the hatchback, you know, it is definitely harder to see out of. Oh, the hatch has those like, yeah, it has those like nineties alpha pillars. It's <laughs> I mean, a serious right. Yeah. I had the same issue with the Mazda three. It was the sedan, but looking out of the front windscreen, that was the one that I had really severe glare from the sun. Oh, for, like it, yeah. it was like the really reflection. bad. Right. It just was, I don't know. It was just the angle of the, and it was something that I tried a couple of times and it, it was every day. It was like that, you know, I don't know. It was just, it was very, very, it was, it was distressing because I felt like I didn't have good visibility. Yeah. I, I didn't notice that, you know, and it, and it may have had something to do with our relative seating positions. I don't know. Sure. Um, no, for sure. But, uh, you know, I, and uh, I think the weather when I drove the the Mazda, uh, I think was more overcast. And so maybe, maybe it was, uh, I didn't just didn't notice it as much. Um, uh, but I, I didn't notice that. I didn't have that problem when I drove the, the all wheel drive, uh, Mazda three well, a few months ago. I bring it up just cause the general issue of visibility, whether it's yeah. out the front or the back is, and as you say, those belt lines, like the Ford escape, the belt line has been lowered for better visibility. And so it's just something that, you know, I think it's something that we've been, we've talked about a few times now. Yeah. It's certainly something I'd like to see manufacturers address more, you know, start moving back in that direction of lower belt lines. Um, but, uh, you know, aside from that, you know, the, the manual transmission in the Mazda three was, was just a joy to use. You know, it was, it was a lot of fun to drive. And with that 185 horsepower, 2.5 liter that's in there, it's got plenty of performance. You know, it's it's a fun, fun car. I I mean, it, that's, what else can we say? <laughs> no, that's awesome. I saw somebody driving a manual. It was a, a old older BMW Z3 this morning. I was like, you go, girl. It was awesome. <laughs> well, the, the, the nice the nice thing as well is that Mazda is not restricting the manual transmission to just the entry level models. I mean, you can you can actually get it in in higher trim levels than the Mazda uh, three. For sure. And you know, I mean, this one was pretty well kitted out. Um, you know, it had leather interior and everything, and it was it was just a great place to spend time. That I mean, that sounds like the class of the. Uh the the segment that you a you can get it with a manual because I don't think that everything else in that segment, especially not in a higher trim level, you can get with a manual. Um, no, absolutely, it's one of the one of the few that you still can get with a manual. And yeah, I mean the Golf is going to go away except for the GTI, so that's going to be one less choice. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, thank you, Mazda. <laughs> Yes. Now we just have to keep buying them. Uh, that's I think that's right. that's the challenge. We love them, but we don't actually buy them. <laughs> so what were you driving, Dan? I, I had so for sixty thousand dollars, I had the Jeep uh, Gladiator Rubicon, oh. um, which is uh, that's a big truck price for a mid-sized truck, uh, and I was I was really charmed by it in some ways. Uh, you know, because it is all that it's cracked up to be. It's all that um, we anticipated it would be. I think uh, FCA made the absolute right call to make it a crew cab. So there's a four door. Uh, certainly the, the Wrangler Unlimited outsells the good old two door Wrangler by a lot. Um, and they knew smartly that, uh, I mean, you can just look at the Ram side of the business and see that 
pickup trucks are doing the same thing. Everybody's buying the crew cab pickups. And so uh, they added, I think, 31 inches <laughs> to the frame and uh, stretched the wheelbase by 19, 19 and a half inches, something like that. So it's long, <laughs> but it, it doesn't drive quite as long. You, you've both driven this. Uh, it doesn't drive as long as it is. So that was that was a, a pleasant surprise. And that longer wheelbase sort of settles it down on the highway. Uh, which is completely not its element. Um, and it, you know, as of Rubicon, it has a little bit of wander on the highway. It doesn't, doesn't really want to go over 70 miles an hour, which is fine because it eats fuel when you do that. And, you know, those big tires still, it, it's not like there's any slack in the steering and stuff. Just, they're just squishy, you know, so you gotta, gotta keep a little, little hand on the wheel uh, on the highway. But um, in, broken pavement or you know off-road it's really you know it's jeep it's in its element um the the breakover and uh the yeah i think the breakover angle is really the only one that suffers to approach and departure i don't think are are much different so if you're actually off-roading it it's, it's really capable um it's a little longer and it, it can't go over you know quite as much as the shorter ones so you probably get stuck when you get too brave but uh i was also impressed by how refined it is you know the, the jl is a very it's they've they've taken the wrangler and they've made it about as refined as you possibly can uh it's it's smooth it's really well behaved it um it's actually pretty quiet. I think, and I think it was you, Rebecca, that said that you were impressed with how yes. quiet the last Jeep was. So I, it's crazy. Yeah. I, you know, certainly again on the highway, the Rubicon with the tires, yeah, it makes a little noise and there's some wind noise, but there's really not as much wind rush around that flat windshield as you would, ex- yeah. you would expect. As you would expect. Yeah. Because I had, I had the, wait, wait, they take the doors off. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. See, <laughs> Jeeps like, and the, 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 the gladiator in particular, like you get all the, it just looks like this weird kind of lobster when, <laughs> when you have all that stuff off of it, it's just this weird exoskeleton. It's, it's strange. Um, but yeah, this had the hard top. So it was a little, little, it was quiet and it was a good place to spend time. And it was really charming where it had a spray and bed liner and uh, a, I think it had a cargo management system, you know, the rails. I don't know if that's standard or if that was an option. Um, but I, I really loved the way I could just reach over the side and get stuff in and out of the bed. Like, you know, trucks used to be <laughs> instead of like the size of the first floor of my house where I need to, you know, stand on the tire and yank myself up in into the bed uh, to get stuff. Uh, so it's nice that it's that tidy size and it's a little narrower than than some of the, uh, the other trucks in the market. So or at least it feels narrower. So it's it's cozy. Uh, and you look out over the, the hood and fenders like you do with an older older trucks it has all that charm and i think that's why it was was charming um you know there's easter eggs all over the design so you can get your surprise and delight going um it's just it's it's very expensive as rubicon i think it starts at like 33 for the sort of base model or the s or something like that and that's really it's got all those charms still in in that trim and it's like 33k is not cheap so that's still expensive uh and i know that there's there's up to i think like up to nine thousand dollars on the hood of these now because that apparently they're not selling like they had thought they would so that that's a surprise uh because they i think they've really done 
they've done everything right. It's very clever. It's very, um, it's very thoughtful. It's the most thoughtful midsize truck. I, I think there is, you know, uh, because of what it is, but it's, it's useful. And the most expensive. Yeah. Um, uh, that's true. It is the most expensive. Uh, I, and I, I, I certainly found that it was pricey. Uh, it, I got decent fuel economy with it. So I was impressed with that. The, uh, the eight speed transmission, or I think it's an eight speed. Yeah. Um, it, that, like the powertrain's really well behaved and it, it did. I, I posted to the Twitter account. It sounds like a theremin in reverse, which I was <laughs> amused by. Um, yeah, I, I I can't say that I would suggest it for like a hardcore like if you need a truck, it, it's just a lot of outlay for a work vehicle. But uh, you know, it has its has its charms. Um, but Jeep has become this this premium thing. Like it, back in the day, when the the like the original namesake Gladiator, they were different. They were work vehicles. Uh, and they were primitive and this is about as far from primitive as you're going to get. Uh, it, it's maybe sort of like a primitive layout, but it, it doesn't drive primitive. It drives really, really pretty well refined. So, well, I think what we had talked about before when I had the four door Wrangler was just that a vehicle that is so unbelievably capable off road can be so well behaved on road. Yeah. Yeah. I'll agree with that. You know, I was, um, I was, I was pretty impressed by it and, and sort of just, it's, it's, um, I, I guess we'll use the term, uh, because it's misapplied everywhere else, but the bandwidth, <laughs> it, it just, it can, it can do yeah. a lot and it, it, it does it. It's got a lot of dynamic range. Yeah. yeah there we go. It, it does, it does a lot well. Um, and you, you pay for it, but, uh, you know, that's okay. Um, I, that's, that's sort of the cheap theme. If you well, want. I think, you know, I think you do pay for it, but I think before, I think in the past, it was, it was really going to be tough to have a Jeep Wrangler as a daily driver. It just wasn't comfortable enough for that. And I think this is the first one that, you know, it legitimately it's a daily driver. I mean, my brother has the JK and that's pretty comfortable, but I wouldn't necessarily want to drive it around all the time. I think that with this one, I do. Like, I didn't want that thing to go away. I, I, I was, I would have kept it. <laughs> I was okay waving goodbye to it. You know, the Rubicon is a little high, it's just it, you know. Yeah, I know that's true. And you had the Glad, right? You had the Gladiator. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so the Wrangler itself, just the four door that I had, um, it was fun to put that top down. You know, just so the the one touch. A cloth top. Yeah. I mean, that was great. It was just, it's so versatile. Oh yeah. It has, it has those charms um, for sure. And then I just, by the end of the week, I, you know, and, and you know, I'm just, I'm apparently not a Wrangler person. You are such a curmudgeon. No, I mean, I like them. <laughs> I, I like them, but it's, you know, I always feel like I'm, I always feel like I'm giving them sort of a uh, short shrift because I don't, I don't get a chance to get them off road. And no, I know. Like that's where they shine. I so it. I always say, like, oh, uh, they they get tiresome because what I wind up doing is daily driving, commuting in them, and they're like that's not what they're for. Although that's what people do. The, the people who do it are committed enough. They they want to do it. I you know I'm old and commercially. I want I want luxury. I want quiet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're the youngest one on this podcast. By I the way, am. just FYI. Yeah. 
He's he's old at heart. I am. Yeah, exactly. Listen, and old. It was Dan was born old at I, heart. I was. I'm the growing into soul. my. I'm I'm <laughs> growing into my personality. Uh, so, um, so yeah, it's it, it, But the the gladiator, it, you know, we waited for so long for this, and uh, I think they made absolutely the right call. To make it um, a four door, I think that they did a ton of work, and it really it could not have been executed any better. So good, good for them. Um, it's it's really charming, and I think they they nailed what the buyer is going to want. Um, you know what? One thing that's curious is that you know last week in Chicago they unveiled the Gladiator Mojave, you know, which is the first Jeep. Uh, you know, they, they've had you know trail rated. Uh, badges for Jeeps before, you know, for the ones with the, the true off-road capability, you know, with the four-wheel drive, low range and locking rear diffs, things like that. But <clears throat> the Gladiator is the first one that's designed for high-speed off-road driving. Um, and, uh, you know, the, I, I think they're going to be bringing that Mojave badge and the Desert Raider badge to other Jeeps, particularly the Wrangler, at least. Uh, I was, I thought it was Curious that they decided to do it on the Gladiator first before the Wrangler. Well, I think it brings it in line with, um, you know, the Raptor. It makes it compete yeah. with, the, with the Raptor. And there's there's not really, I mean, a Ranger Raptor is not really whatever. Well, and, and globally overseas, there's really some fantastic, fun Toyota pickup trucks that people use in the desert. And so. Yeah, the Toyota Hilux. And- yeah, exactly. So it could compete nicely with with those kinds of things. Yeah. On a global basis. Yeah. So I, I, again, I think it's a, it's a smart move, but I, you know, the Jeep party can't go on forever either. So I, I, I'm really curious to see that it's not selling as briskly as they thought it would, um, because there was such pent up demand, uh, or there was such apparent pent up demand, but maybe they've, maybe they finally hit the end of the road with that. I, I don't know, Is it, but you know, on the flip side of that, they brought a uh, Honda Civic Sport Touring, and so Sam, you've you've talked really uh, kindly about the Honda Civic Sport and how it it really is a a good handling GTI alternative, and um, you know we've talked about the looks, which are not everybody's cup of tea, but uh, wow, it really and, and in touring so. Touring is the sort of like luxurious trim, uh, but sport touring, like it really does compete pretty dead on with the GTI. It's a different thing. Uh, it's not quite as powerful as a GTI. That, it's that's only 180 true. horsepower. Uh, but it goes down the road really solid and it handles really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really impressed with it. You could hustle the crap out of it and it just wanted more, uh, which – you know, so to the point where I'm, when I'm questioning my judgment and the car's like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> um, that's that's good. That's that is a good chassis. Um, and, I think that's the one that I got. I almost got my speeding ticket. In. Yeah, probably. Uh, it's yeah. got the center exit exhaust. And um, yeah, yeah it, it, so it's not quite as it's not as upright as the GTI. So the hatch area is not as useful, uh, but it's still not you know it's not a, not a coupe you know so it's it, it's a it's a big it, car it's got it's got plenty of space back there though i mean you're right you know the 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 slope of the rear hatch you know because it, it's kind of uh notched in the middle you know so there's a vertical part and then a, a sloping 
part there, but you still have 25 cubic feet of cargo space behind the rear seats with the rear seats folded up. With really um, with the yeah. seats up, like in yeah, use. seats up, there's 20, 25 cubic feet, you know, because it's a pretty deep well yeah. in there. And so there's actually a surprising amount of space back. Wow, there. that's bigger than it you looks. Know. Yeah. No, I mean, when, when we got rid of the jet wagon and replaced it with the, the Civic, you know, I, yeah, I went and I checked the measurements, you know, and it was actually pretty much as much space in this thing as there was in the Jetta wagon. Wow. Just, you yeah. know, not with the roof line, right? But just sort of right. square. That, that's impressive. That's good. Uh, yeah, it it's it's as a driver's car. I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, I still hate their infotainment. <laughs> it's it's fair enough. It's like pokey slow. Like it makes you wait for stuff. And I don't think that's acceptable at all. Like, especially when they've got functions like the climate, you got to hit the climate button and then it brings it up in the screen. And like, again, there's a lag. Like it makes you wait. Like, no, that's bullshit. That should come right up. Uh, and so I, yeah, Honda, they're getting better. Well, there's, there's, but, there's knobs there to just twist, you know, to change the, uh, the temperature. Um, yeah, but the fan, now the fan might have been on a rocker. I forget. I forget exactly what it's been a couple of days, but uh, there was some, especially the air direction and stuff. Like it just it made you wait. And there were other things like just uh, jumping when you start it up. It takes a little while to to get through its stuff. It's not responsive right away. Almost like it has to boot up for a minute or two. Uh, so yeah, I, the, Honda's getting better, but they're still just they're not quite there. With infotainment. Their infotainment systems in in Honda and Acura are just the worst. The audio systems, the part of it is is usually pretty good, especially in Acura. Oh, sure. But the right, and especially yeah. But the the uh, interface is oh, just yeah brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. So get to it, guys, because the rest of the car is pretty brilliant. It it really exactly. Um, and, and you know the steering was a little dead too. But, you know, it was weighted well and stuff. I just wanted more feedback. Um, but, yeah, really, really good car. And it makes me, in my imaginary purchase decision, uh, it, it's hard to pick now between that and the GTI. The GTI, like you said, is more powerful. Um, but the the Honda felt really, really good to drive. Uh, and you could daily it. Again, so it has that charm like the GTI. Like, it, it can it can be your all-purpose car and still be fun. Yeah, I mean, when when we bought ours, you know, we we took a look at the sport. In fact, I had uh, I had a sport uh, press card, the the base level sport, um, just uh, about a, two months before we got ours. And the th- the thing with the sport, the reason why we didn't go with the sport uh, or the sport touring, you know, because you have the sport, which is based on the base um, LX Civic, you know, but with um, <clears throat> the you know slightly more power. Uh, and it has the the base audio system. It doesn't have the touchscreen audio system, um, and it didn't. You know, it doesn't, it's missing some of the options. Uh, and then you have the Sport Touring, which is the high end version that has the leather seats and everything. Both of them are on eighteen inch wheels. And frankly, we didn't want to. We didn't want one with eighteen inch wheels. We we went with an EX, which is the mid level trim, because it's still on seventeen inch wheels. Because we wanted that little bit of extra sidewall height. Which you know, given you know the nature of potholes around here, um, you know, I'll take all the sidewall we can get, you know, for most daily driving. Yeah, I, I can, I can see that. Uh, this didn't feel harsh or bad, 
Um, yeah, no, it's it's fine in that respect. It's just you know when you when you hit those potholes or those big frost heaves, you know you don't have a whole lot of rubber to work with there to protect those wheels. Yeah, yeah, that got me earlier this winter. Did I tell you about the G seventy? Hit a pothole with the G seventy. Oh uh, no, you didn't yeah, mention that. Twenty six hundred dollars worth of damage to the G seventy. Oh, cracked the wheel. Uh, did something to one of the control arms. Yeah. Yeah, oh. took it took it out of service for the next guy. Screwed the next guy who was supposed to get it. Which yeah, I didn't, I'm trying to remember if I didn't get that car. I, I, I didn't mean to. It was at, at night. I do. I remember hitting just a like when they make the dash shake. Like that's a good yeah. pothole. And then like I got yeah. to work the next day, and it was it was swap day, so wow. they, like they were coming to swap the car, and I, I'm looking it over, and I see the crack in the wheel, and I'm just like, ooh, I should tell them about that. Like there's a piece missing <laughs> oh that's that's never a good yeah. thing and so i was like yeah you guys should uh, get that looked at you'll make it back take it easy there's no tpms lighter or anything it didn't spring an air leak but yeah so um i feel you on the wanting the sidewall <laughs> yeah I, I i yeah i like having rubber between the wheels and the road it, it helps yeah, I mean, you know, depending on where you live you know it may not it may be less of an issue to you know i mean if you live in northern climes you may want to forego the the sport and go for one of the other trims. Yeah, I, I think overall every every Civic is going to feel pretty good to drive. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, uh, that's my my glowing report. And from there, we burned an hour on cars, so we should probably talk about yeah. like new stuff. Um, okay. So well, oh, go ahead. Well, I just I want to mention as we jump into news uh, because just by coincidence, this just popped up on my feed. The Honda Odyssey is being recalled. <laughs> those, those are I saw that earlier. Those, those, that's a newer one. So yeah, it's like it's the newer one, but it's a 2018 to 2020 model years. Uh, but if you have one, uh, particularly the EXL Touring and Elite minivans, they are under recall. What, so what are they under recall I felt for? Compelled, uh, a fire hazard, electrical fire hazard. <sighs> yeah, the wire harness for the third row accessory power outlet can get pinched. Between the unibody and rear trim panel, Nitsa says. Yeah, that's that's probably important. You know what, though? If it burns to the ground, it gives you an opportunity to get a new car. Well, there's <laughs> been three fires um, and no reported injuries. Yeah, no, that, that's actually like, car fires are no joke. Uh, they, yes, they go very quick. So. so start looking at uh, March 16th is when the mail is when the, the notice will go out by mail because that's efficient. Because it's required. <laughs> um, so. You you can't you can't assume that everyone has email. I know, I know, I know. I understand that it's required. Yeah, but it's no, but like a, with the recall, what happens is they send the thing out, and like there are people who are just never going to take any action, and they're just no matter how many notices they get in the mail, like it goes in the little file, and they're like yeah, yeah, it's under recall, and then they'll take it to the dealer, and the dealer will say it's under recall, but we don't have the parts, so that always helps too. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, you know what's most fun is when you keep getting recall notices for a car that you don't own anymore. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. when they bought somebody's mailing list. And oh, they, my they gosh. They haven't updated it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's, it's not that. It's, you know, th- for recalls, they actually get the information from. Oh, from um, the DMVs. From the, yeah. from the DMVs. Uh, you know, so they get your, your address and everything. But the problem is, um, you know, the, the car in question uh, was. Uh, the car I bought for my younger kid who had moved to Oregon with the car. And, you know, I had transferred ownership uh, to her and she 
you know, that car has now been retired completely. It's, uh, you know, it was traded in on, on something else. And the state of Michigan just ha- it still has it in their records. And I'm in no particular mood to go down to the secretary of state's office and try to deal with it. <laughs> Can't imagine like, I'll why. Just, I'll just toss the, the, the recall cards in the, in the recycling. I think the secretary of state probably has better things to do anyway. than help you. Yeah. Help you help your situation, help you not get postcards. Yeah. <laughs> no, but recall recalls are serious. Uh, Tesla actually also has a recall on the Model X crossovers for yeah, a power steering where... issue. And I yeah. don't mean to be a, a recall expert here, but I, and Ford has a recall as well. They're just all popping up. Oh, the Ford was like it's right now. There's a couple hundred thousand um, <laughs> well, explorers or something, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And and the thing with recalls, you know, when you get a recall notice, you know, that's it's almost, you know, it's, it's always for a safety issue. So, you know, please, you know, make an appointment to get your car into the dealer as soon as possible and have it addressed before it, you know, before it becomes a problem for you. Cause you know, you don't want to uh, be the victim of something going wrong like that. And the, the thing about recalls is it doesn't cost you anything except whatever time it takes you you know, out of your day to get the car you can the go dealer. sit in the brand new cars in the dealership. You can drink their free yeah. coffee and take, you know, yeah. a whole pile full of brochures home if they still do. That's what I used to do. I used to get the brochures when the car would go in for service. I had I had a nice collection. <laughs> this good. I remember sitting in the I just take my laptop and yeah. sit in the waiting room. That's and, right. They've got know, Wi-Fi. Yeah. 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 All right. But you're right. right. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail no, us from other news. That's items. fine. Get your get this your stuff fixed. <laughs> Jeez, don't be a hazard on the road. Nicola Badger is super interesting, except for it's another EV pickup, which we're I think we've had about our fill of these things. Um, but it's a it's a hybrid, but it's a it's a different kind of hybrid pickup, which I you you said it's not new. Uh, it's not a, not a not a new concept. Right. No, it, you know, it's it's actually it's all electric and it is also a hybrid uh, because uh, it uses a combination of a battery and a hydrogen fuel cell. And, you know, for those that don't recall Nikola, they're, they're a startup that is developing uh, fuel cell uh, tractor trailers, you know, long, long haul uh, class eight uh, trucks. Um, and, you know, they're, they're powered by hydrogen fuel cells. So what they've done is they're taking their fuel cell technology and combining it with a battery in a, put, in a full-size pickup truck and using the fuel cell as a range extender. So you get about 300 miles of range from the battery and then about another 300 miles or so from the hydrogen, um, you know, being converted into electricity in the fuel cell. And, you know, this is not an entirely new concept. Uh, in fact, I first drove a vehicle that had a very similar type of uh, setup back in uh, February of 2007. Um, Ford uh, had prototype uh, Edge with, that they called the Edge High Series. Uh, in fact, the month before that at the Detroit Auto Show, they showed a concept called the Airstream, uh, which was a minivan concept that, um, at least on the spec sheet, you know, as, as concepts go, because concepts never actually match what they claim. Um, but, you know, it, it had this, it was supposed to have had the same um, plug-in hybrid fuel cell uh, powertrain. But they, what they ended up doing was actually putting that into the edge. And... The plan was they were actually going to build a fleet of about 100 of these for testing. Um, But by early 2008, you know, as things were starting to go downhill uh, in the economy, 
um, Ford decided to abandon that project. But I had, I did, when I was writing for Autoblog, I actually did have an opportunity to drive the, the one prototype they had. Actually, it was, it was, it was, they had a couple of prototypes. I drove one of them, uh, went over to visit uh, one of their engineering facilities in Dearborn. And, you know, it actually works pretty well because what it, the, the cool thing about it, you know, is using the fuel cell as a range extender that way. Um, fuel cells, like a lot of other propulsion systems, are a lot more efficient when they operate in a steady state mode instead of transient mode. So if, you're, if you just have a pure um, fuel cell vehicle, you know, the fuel cell has to crank out more or less power to, you know, just like an engine, you know, depending on how hard you get on the accelerator pedal. You know, if you can have the fuel cell, if you can have your main power coming from the battery and have the fuel cell operating at in a steady state mode, just recharging the battery all the time, then it can be much more efficient. And um, you can, you know, you still, you still have uh, completely zero emissions, but you know, you, you're also fully electric uh, and you can have more range. So you can have a smaller battery and a smaller fuel cell. I like the idea. Um, I th- actually was scratching my head about it, trying to figure out why it doesn't, it hasn't had more applications because like that's the issue, right? With, with an EV is the range and the recharging. Um, the problem you're going to run into here is a I guess how fast it, the fuel cell can put energy back into the battery, and then b uh, where the hell are you going to refuel it? <laughs> well, the the first part is not really a problem so much. I mean, it can you know you can size the fuel cell you know for whatever output you need you know so you you can definitely keep up uh, with the battery. the the char- the refueling hydrogen refueling is the real issue. Yeah, there's about 40 hydrogen stations in California now. Um, and that's, you know, that's about the only place we're going to find any hydrogen stations. I think there's a few uh, opening up in the Northeast uh, sometime this year. Um, but, you know, right now you're basic, basically stuck in California. Yeah. And that, I, that, that's so that's the issue. Like they're going to make this thing work. It already works. Um are they just far enough behind the eight ball, though, that their you know charging infrastructure is going to going to be built out of their building charging infrastructure? Nobody's talking about hydrogen infrastructure except for maybe Lind or Air Gas, which I think there's yeah. I mean, there's there's a few other companies, and you know, Toyota and Honda and Hyundai, you know, have actually made some investments, you know, in uh, companies like uh, oh, what's I forget the name of the company now. Um, First Energy, I think, in in California, that operates a lot of the hydrogen stations there. It's you know, I think you know where we're actually going to start seeing more of it. Where where hydrogen fuel cells are actually are more likely to have applications uh, early on in the coming years is in some of these trucking applications. You know where you've got um, vehicles. You know, Toyota, for example, is testing uh, some tractor trailers at the port of long beach powered by fuel cells. Um, and they're currently building up a, a new fleet of next generation, uh, ones with Kenworth, I think building 10 of those. Um, you know, and you know, those are trucks that, you know, return to base every night. You know, so they only need, they, they only need one hydrogen filling station to support that fleet, you know, and then for the, the Nikola trucks, 
um, what they're doing is they're building out a, a network of hydrogen fueling stations across a lot of a bunch of the major interstates across the U.S. You know, for transcontinental trips, and they're actually going to be generating the hydrogen on site um, from electrolysis and using uh, solar or wind power to generate the hydrogen on site at those stations. Wow, the, that sentence ended. Vehicles. That sentence ended so much better than I thought it was going to. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be they're going to they're going to end they're going to uh, you know generate the hydrogen from natural gas, which no no I mean that's that's where most hydrogen comes from right now but they're moving away from that towards uh, what they call green hydrogen so generating it from from water um, with uh, renewable electricity good for them that's that's yeah. fantastic and, and for you know for bigger heavier vehicles you know hydrogen fuel cell fuel cell systems actually make more sense. You know, it's to get comparable amount of range and performance, it's it's a it ends up being a lot lighter than for the batteries that you need for the same kind of performance and, and capability. Um, and also re- refueling uh, is, yeah, that, is significantly that, shorter yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, you can I mean, you can refuel a, a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle in about the same amount of time it takes to fill a gas tank, whereas, you know, refilling, you know, charging up the batteries in a truck. Um, you know, I mean, Tesla, you know, for their semi has claimed that you'll be able to charge it to 80 percent in in 30 minutes, you know, for their uh, for their semi. But, you know, that's going to take uh, like a one megawatt charger. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's, so that's going to require some pretty heavy duty cooling, some pretty big cables. It's going to brown yeah. out the grid. <laughs> yeah. Minor details. <laughs> Whatever. One megawatt. Um, yeah. Is this company. Speaking of Tesla, though, like is is Nikola more serious, less vaporware than the? Because I don't take the Tesla truck seriously at all. I think it's just nonsense. Yeah, I, I think you know I don't I don't know about you know the the Badger. We'll we'll see you know if they can actually get that to market. You know their trucks. You know their heavy duty trucks. I think you know those are definitely serious. You know they've got some pretty some pretty serious investment. Uh, you know they've got a partnership, especially with Bosch. Um, you know, they're developing all the electric propulsion stuff. Um, and you know, they're, uh, you know, they're working on getting those trucks into the marketplace and they've gotten a lot of orders for them from a bunch of big companies, you know, big fleet operators. So I think that they've got a pretty, pretty decent chance of, you know, at least getting to market and having some degree of success, um, on their heavy duty trucks. Yeah. And we'll see what happens with the pickup. Well, and they, they say they're partnering with an OEM. For the, the pickup, they won't say who, but they're, they, yeah. they say that. There, there, there was a report yesterday on InsideEVs.com that it might be FCA. Um, you know, so we'll see. That'd be good for FCA. And the thing, the thing looks really cool. It does. The Nikola yeah, Badger. I, and yeah. I just love the fact that they use Nikola as the first. Right. Yeah. Know, the Tesla thing. That's hilarious. Uh, it's, uh, and it's the Badger. It's the, well, I mean, it's the Honey Badger. It, just, it doesn't give them. Well, yeah. <laughs> but no, it looks really cool, though. I mean, it looks like the kind of truck that it's supposed to look like. I don't know if it has shatterproof uh, windshield, your windows I or not. And my, well, neither does the Tesla yeah. side. Well, truck, my little so. fingers are going with the. You, just, you need the um, you need the vanity the plates that say Hindenburg. That's <laughs> um, but no, it looks cool though. Yeah, for sure. Uh, is is there? What are the combustion byproducts of, of hydrogen it's just is it water it's just water? water not not co2 yeah nope okay no. is it not it, combustion 
yeah, it's, you're. Oh, God, sorry. It, yeah, I mean, you know, t- it's it, oxidation uh, fuel cell. Yeah, it's it's just an oxidation reaction. You know, so you're putting in oxygen and hydrogen, and you get water vapor out. Okay. All right. I'm just trying to poke holes in it, just to be like, where yeah. where could this fall down? I'm sorry, I will, I'll stop being a infrastructure. Now. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, infrastructure is the main yeah, but one. the infrastructure and, and doesn't seem like cells. the infrastructure doesn't seem like the the more difficult one. Like with EVs, the infrastructure is kind of the harder part. Um, the fuel cell here is the harder part, just because, and it's not because the technology isn't mature; it's actually quite mature. It's um, the cost of it, like you said, and then just you know, the che- the cheaper the membrane, the the cheaper the, the fuel cell. And, you know, they're making a lot of progress on, you know, the cost of the fuel cell stack itself. Um, you know, that that has come down substantially and, you know, it's it's continuing to come down with each new generation of these things. You know, <clears throat> they're working out the manufacturing processes so they don't require as much of the cat, as much of the catalyst material, uh, platinum and and palladium in there that they use for catalysts um, and 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 designing the the fuel cell stacks for mass production instead of you know for one-off builds yeah ah that's great that's platinum and palladium because that those don't get cut out of cars at parked in places like that's great it's gonna be like a rash of fuel cell thefts (laughs) yeah well i think it'll be a little more challenging to pull this fuel cell stack out than to pull out a catalytic never stopped anyone with a sauce no no it's funny it's just yeah um i didn't realize it was the same catalyst material but that's interesting So let's stay with new stuff. Uh, you went to the uh, Farisha Innovation Day? Farisha, Farisha, yeah, something like that. Farosha, um, for, throw that in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You went to Innovation um, Day. <laughs> yeah, they, they had an Innovation Day. And, and actually, one, one of the things that, uh, that they're working on is also fuel cell systems, um, both uh, the hydrogen storage tanks and, uh, and their own fuel cell stack design. Uh, but, uh, I don't want to get into that right now. Um, but what, uh, you know, they, they did show a couple of interesting things. One was, was their e-mirror system, um, which is in production now, uh, in Japan on the Lexus ES in the Japanese market. Can't get it here yet because it's not legal, uh, here, but, um, they showed some interesting little, um, additions to that compared to what we've previously seen on the Audi e-tron, the European spec Audi e-tron. Um, you know, because, you know, you've got the side cameras on the you know, cameras mounted on the side of the vehicle uh, and then projecting onto displays on the inside of the vehicle, usually somewhere around the base of the A-pillar. Um, and one of, one, of, one of the things they've done on here is they've done a little augmentation. So, you know, when you're looking at the display and seeing the rear corner of your vehicle, it actually shows. Uh, you know, it's it's projecting uh, a red line going around, you know, so you, you can actually see right on the road where the corner of your vehicle is. So as there's another, you know, when there's another vehicle coming up, you can actually see where, and, and it'll, then for other vehicles, it'll show uh, lines, project lines on there, overlay lines on the display of where the corner of that vehicle is. So you can actually see where it is on the road relative to your own vehicle. And when it's when it's a certain distance away, that'll be green. As it gets closer and closer, it transitions to orange. And when it's too close, um, then it goes to red. So when you you know, so this is uh, kind of their way of incorporating uh, blind spot monitoring uh, into this. And and they're actually 
uh, integrating not just the camera, but also the rear corner radars that use for blind spot monitoring to help, you know, with that uh, proximity sensing uh, at the rear corners. What are they doing about, um, they talk at all about how it can be difficult for your eyes to actually sort of focus on a screen versus mirror glass. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they, they did talk about that. And, you know, one of the, one of the bigger challenges is, you know, especially flickering from led lights. Um, and so, you know, they've got um, higher resolution cameras, um, higher frame rate cameras, um, and they're doing some digital filtering in there to eliminate the flickering, but also, um, you know, trying to um, make it uh, so that it seems more like a mirror, you know, trying to emulate the behavior of a mirror. It's not going to be exactly the same from a focusing standpoint, but um, it's getting better. Yeah. Oh, I, and I didn't even think about the flicker, man. That would drive me nuts to have an LED and yeah. LCD or LED because that's the thing. Your periphery is is more yeah. actually. Yeah, I mean, if, if you ever motion. if you ever point a video camera at you know at an LED light, oh, yeah. you know, and look at the display, you'll see that flickering. Yeah. And it that would be very annoying. And so you know they've 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 addressed that with higher frame rates and and digital filtering in there to eliminate the flickering. Um. So you know we'll. The uh, NHTSA right now, you know, has um, some um, some stuff up for comment. You know, they've they've opened up a comment period on things like uh, electronic mirrors and they're evaluating, you know, whether to make changes in the regulations here to allow those. You know, one of the things that uh, uh, that, they, that they told us today was, you know, they, they were testing uh, these e-mirrors on an F-150 and uh, what was it? it said they got uh 1.6% reduction in fuel economy with the e-mirrors relative mm-hmm. to the the standard mirrors on the F150 and mm-hmm. you know that's not insignificant you know <clears throat> you know engineers you know to get you know one and a half percent improvement in fuel economy you know they you know to um you know they go to pretty extensive lengths to get that kind of improvement for sure is that uh cuz the Audi e-tron that I drove back in December last year had very narrow, uh, had electronic or uh, different kinds of mirrors that are not allowed in the U S mm-hmm. is it similar to those? The, yeah, it's the same, same, same thing. The camera yeah, same thing. yeah. Those, those took a little while to get used to for sure. But then after, you know, probably an hour of driving, it was just kind of like whatever. Um, but they were definitely a little, it, it was a little tricky, but you're, you're right. It really helps on arrow and, uh, and it would be great if the regulations were homogenous so that yeah. save money and yeah. get these kind of technologies over faster. You can either have faster. like things that are supposed to be regulated are going to be deregulated and the regulations that we have are going to be completely nonsensical. But, but yeah. at least if they do allow it in the U.S., we're going to get another half a bajillion horsepower into the F-150. Well, and, <laughs> and we can yeah. all agree that we're from the government and we're here to help. Yeah. So there you go. I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm I'm being really jaded and old today. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, what's this connected wellness business that they were talking about? Yeah. So this is another thing that they were showing. Um, you know, they had a couple of different interior bucks, you know, showing off some things that they're some interesting things they're doing with active noise cancellation. And, you know, they had one, um, you know, they had an F-150 setup, you know, with, 
uh, for you know an automated driving thing you know where when you put it in automated mode the steering wheel pulls away from you but they you know they also had had it set up with uh, center screen um, that you know if the and they had cameras on the a pillars you know to look at the um, the occupants you know look at the driver and the front passenger and you know based on you know the camera's evaluation of you know kind of how tall you are you know where where you're sitting you know it could automatically adjust the seat you know to give you a comfortable seating position i want that nope Nope, no. Nope, I want that. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Leave me there. Well, as long as you alone, can tweak it. You devil machine. No, as long as you can tweak it. <laughs> one, one, of the, one of the other things, you know, they, they had. As long as you can it, tweak it. <laughs> they, they, had an, they had an infotainment system that they developed. Um, you know, so the center screen is actually on a, on a pivot um, so that if the, pass, if the front passenger wanted to watch a movie, the screen actually tilts away from the driver. So the driver can't really see it, and then the the front passenger seat tilts inwards towards the screen, so you're looking head on at the screen. So you can watch a movie mm-hmm. without distracting the driver. Okay, but it would have to be headphones only because if you put on a movie, well, they, right? They had they had speakers um, in the headrests and in the speakers. Oh, okay, so that's seats. cool. And actually, yeah. uh, actually, let me rephrase that. They actually didn't have speakers at all. All of the sound in this thing was generated by actuators on various, you know, mounted on various interior surfaces of the vehicle. It actually sounded shockingly yeah, good, uh, considering you didn't have traditional So speakers. that's, yeah, that's something I, I forget where else I saw that. And it, it, it's really clever because you don't have the typical packaging problem of a conventional mm-hmm. speaker with the motor structure and a, you know, large magnet that you've got to package. Um, you're, you're, creating you know you're resonating the panel with a you know a transducer um so it's a little more compact and then you know because of the magic of dsp and stuff you can you can make it sound good now like we couldn't back in the yeah. day um so i'm sorry so no, i mean it just turns the whole panel into a speaker or or, or you know uh, it, it vibrates the panel and the sound radiates from it so it's it's well, cool yeah so those kinds of like speakers those like specific speakers the first time i saw them was actually in Turin, Italy, at the the National Museum of Cinema. And they have this huge open space and they've got they've got like loungers and everybody can watch their own movie in them, even in right, this open space. And that's what they've done so here. Cool. Yeah. And and you know, so we you know, we demonstrated that, you know, so you basically get your own little personal bubble of sound around you. Um, and you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really intrude on other people. So everybody in the vehicle can be watching something different or watching the same thing That's uh, so or cool. listening to different things. Um, you know, and then taking that a step further, this connected wellness idea, they actually had, uh, had a, had a buck with, um, pressure transducers mounted in the footwell and you could, you know, sit back in the seat, put your feet, you know, put your feet down. And then, you know, go have it um, do some exercises. It will guide you through some exercises. Is there a foot massager in there? Because don't toy with me. (laughs) Uh, There was no foot massager in this one, but it did have a massaging seat. So at the end of your exercise session, the the seat would be, you know, would go through a full massage, full body massage, which was really nice. Um, 
but uh, so you know you had these pressure transducers on the on the floor, you know, and so it it had me go through, you know, I press you know press down on it uh, with the balls of my feet, you know, to see, you know, you could set, you know, how much pressure you wanted, you know, like how how much of a workout you wanted, and then it would guide you through on the screen again, the screen that tilts towards you, um, you know, so you know it would tell you. You know, you would see, you know, left foot, right foot, press down, you know, release, you know, press your heels and, and so on. So you, you could do a bunch of different exercises. I mean, you know, it's kind of kind of goofy, but, you know, it, it's something that, you know, could be could be interesting, you know, for, uh, you know, for long road trips. Yeah, well, you know, and it it's easy to make fun of it in some ways, but I think the two, the two places where people probably spend the most time are their bed. And their car, <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. their desk at work, but really like they're be- like yeah. you spend an awful lot of hours in those two places. So some of this stuff is is goofy, like you said, but yeah, some of it may may surprisingly find an application. I don't know. Well, and well, and, and there's actually multiple applications, because also if you think about, you know, a longer plane rides, for instance, or long haul plane rides. These are things that are actually really serious for like deep, deep vein yeah. thrombosis, yeah, things like that. Yeah. And as, as we drive, if we move towards autonomous vehicles and we do have situations where we're driving for four or five, six hours and not actually actively driving, or even if you are driving, you can get, you know, you can get all sorts of bad things if you don't move around enough. So there actually are legitimate health reasons for these kinds of things. I just am a total sucker for a good foot massage. Well, all you got to do is put your feet up on that, on that. Well, the firewall is going to be vibrating with sound, right? So just yeah. put your feet up on it. I mean, yeah. Exactly. Just put your feet up on the dash and turn up the, right. turn up the volume. Get yourself a subwoofer in the footwell. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. Like that's, that's where innovation comes from is this uh, sort of forward thinking weird stuff. So, yeah. J.D. Power released their dependability study and um, Genesis sort of swept all of the uh, old line players, uh, which was really interesting. Um, they even they even beat um, sort of perennial favorite uh, Lexus. Yeah, it's 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 really impressive. I mean, Lexus won for the last eight years and then Genesis, uh, Genesis, Lexus and Buick uh, for and then uh, Porsche, Toyota, Volkswagen, Lincoln. BMW, Chevy, and Ford. So, I mean, that's really, really that's the, pretty and an impressive. Feat. That's the only place you're going to find Buick in the top three. <laughs> I like my little Coco. Don't make fun of her. She's, <laughs> She's very sensitive. <laughs> okay. But it says a lot, though. I mean, this is JD Power. They're well, very but well. This respected. is. This is um, this is satisfaction. Which studies? Yeah, these are problems reported. So oh, this is yes. initial quality reliability is, after three oh, years of ownership. Oh, it's not. So it's not initial quality. It's um, dependability. Like like we said. Yeah. Yes. So okay. Right. Yep. And the bottom was Volvo, Jag, Chrysler, and Land Rover. Does not surprise me at all. <laughs> Tesla was not part of the study. Well, you know, I mean, the Volvo thing is disappointing. Jag and Land Rover, it's like, yeah, okay, there's jokes about that. <laughs> and, and and Chrysler. Chrysler's had too, struggled for a while. I know. Um, I know they and, have. And, you know, like they our experience have. with the Chrysler vehicle has been, been great. I mean, the thing clicked off 130,000 miles without a, a problem. Uh, well, a, a couple of problems, but not like anything like major, like that would cause me to be like, oh, this is poor quality. It's just car stuff, wear items. Um, 
were they dinging the like so the, the cars that were at the bottom um you know one of the things that's, that's sort of been a little not great about the or not not clear about the jd power uh figures is um the like infotainment systems that can be difficult to use are sort of lumped in as a quality problem um when they're not really they're they're a design problem but they're not not exactly like a you know a, a quality problem well, yeah so go ahead, this is Rebecca. it's it's it tracks problems for 100 vehicles during a 12 month period by owners of 3 year old vehicles so it's subjective in some ways so this is jd power said these are 2017 models they average 134 problems per 100 vehicles studied a slight improvement over 2016 and you know i i think while yes you know the infotainment stuff is often a design problem you know it's it's still it's a it's a functional issue for the user of the vehicle if they can't properly use the system or reliably use the system you know or you know if it's something that causes them to go back to the dealer you know trying to get you know something fixed even even if it can't necessarily be fixed it's still a problem you know and you know in the in the announcement you know they said that actually the in vehicle technology was the area of greatest improvement this year so there there is progress being made on that but it's still an issue you know especially with uh, voice recognition, which should start to get significantly better now that they're going to connected uh, voice recognition systems with natural language processing. Um, Bluetooth is an issue um, and nav systems. And, you know, again, nav systems are another area that that should start to get a lot better, you know, and, and that'll be reflected, you know, a couple of years from now uh, based on the vehicles that are coming to market now. Um, but, uh, they, you know, overall, you know, the there's there's a lot of you know there's been a lot of improvement in a lot of areas and you know you mentioned that Tesla was not included and the reason why the way they JD Power does these surveys they actually send out the surveys to vehicle owners um, and they they get the data um, from you know in part from the DMVs but they get they have to get permission from the uh, in some states they have to get permission. Uh, from the manufacturer to share that data. Uh, and, you know, in other states they don't, but because Tesla refuses to allow JD Power access to any of the owner data uh, because they, they simply don't want to participate, my guess is because they know that their, their results are probably not going to be very good. They are the only manufacturer that does not participate. No, in Sam, it's because uh, they're going to take over the auto industry and show all these old car makers how to really do it. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'm sorry. Um, uh, boy. Yeah, so that's that's why you won't find J, uh, Tesla listed in any of the JD Power surveys because they te Tesla refuses to share that information. I, it would be interesting to see what that what that info was. Um, I mean, we we can sort of extrapolate a little bit from anecdotes. But... Well, you can you can get some of it, you know, from looking at Consumer Reports true, yeah. surveys because. You know, they're not going through the manufacturer, you know, it's consumer reports subscribers, you know, are, you know, filling out those surveys, you know, directly. So consumer reports is not getting information from a DMV or anybody, you know, it's just whoever's, you know, getting consumer reports magazine is getting those. Right. Surveys. That's true. And if there's one thing that Tesla owners like to talk about, it's their cars. So 
Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm glad that some participate in, in that study. Uh, cause it's, it's really instructive, right? It's interesting that the, uh, the things that showed the greatest improvement, but still cause a problem is the in-vehicle technology. And that's like the, that's the stuff that has the shortest lifespan, right? The, the stuff that just moves more quickly than, uh, anything else in in automotive tech right like the, the the tech is sort of turning over every year and a half really there's sort of new new stuff out there and new improvements and you know car car models i mean a, a redesigned car you, it needs to last for what eight years you know four years mid-cycle refresh another four years and then well i mean the average average age of cars is 12 years 12, yeah so um that's just never going to get I, it'll get better. I, I think it'll. It's probably going to be better well, next think, time around because uh, more cars are offering the the phone projection systems too, like CarPlay and Android Auto. Well, well, that that and you know we're also you know starting now to roll out uh, over the air updates. All oh, right, yeah, for vehicles. So you know when there are problems, manufacturers will be able to fix those a lot more easily. Yeah, at least if it's a software problem. Yeah. And, and, you know, grant manufacturers are also, you know, they've, they've recognized that this has been a problem, you know, and in part, you know, one of the, one of the reasons why these systems have been a problem, you know, is the software, but also that they've put in underpowered hardware. Yeah. Like I was complaining about the civics system, like. (laughs) Yeah. They've traditionally gone with the, the cheapest processors that they could get away with. And, you know, they're starting to put in more powerful computers to, to run these systems. And, you know, that'll give them more headroom to work with. And, you know, they, they now have the ability to do software updates. So, you know, in the coming years, you know, that you should see that problem get alleviated quite a bit. Yeah, I have, I mean, I have to confess, um, I, I sort of switched to an iPhone by protest and uh, I got in a car, we swapped today. So I got in the car and um, Apple CarPlay didn't come up right away. And I was like, really? You mean I need to pair this thing <laughs> and use <laughs> use the system with Bluetooth? Oh, what is this? So last century. So it was really weird, the, um, the speed uh, at which you sort of acclimate to that. And um, because it's sort of a standard interface across all cars, uh, it becomes so familiar that it like that's what you want to wind up using not necessarily the in-car systems it, it, that just it, it i i blew myself away with having having assimilated i did not didn't want to it was it was in protest <laughs> look at you early adopting I, no i just totally <laughs> late adopting um yeah i, I was it was sort of uh, i was astounded at myself i was like oh i i guess it's had an effect on my brain um where it's it, like, I, that's what I was looking for. Cause I, you know, I wanted to listen to my podcast and it just, it's easier to use the Apple CarPlay interface than it is to dink around with whatever, you know, embedded system is in there. Um, so that, that was, I, I don't know. It's just interesting. That's all. I'm, I'm done now. <laughs> uh, and I think we're done too. I think we have, uh, we've exhausted the podcast um, audience attention span um so we'll, we'll follow up next week with with one topic that we didn't uh we didn't cover and we didn't have any correspondence this week or have we bothered to check uh i i, I just i haven't checked because we had other stuff okay to talk we didn't about. have any correspondence um, this so week we'll, we'll, get, 
we'll catch up <laughs> on it next week. Um, I did want to mention, um, you know, looking at uh, some of our analytics, you know, kind of what what kind of devices uh, people are using to listen. It seems that uh, most of you are listening on uh, iOS devices, um, and most of you are using Apple Podcasts, or at least the, the largest chunk of you are using Apple Podcasts or, or Overcast, followed by uh, Pocket Casts. So, uh, you know, it would help us a lot, you know, if you uh, if you haven't given us a, a rating in Apple Podcasts to, you know, maybe go in and, and you know, drop us a little five-star rating and, and a review because it... Uh, It'll hopefully help us bump us up in the uh, in the rankings and and help us show up, you know, for other people searching for car podcasts and and uh, help us get some more. Well, listeners. I mean, people have told me that we are the best car podcast. So, well, I know, but you know, <laughs> the people that know about us say that. That's true. And I, I actually put out a call uh, not too long ago on Twitter to say like, who should we have on? And so we should um, compile that list and get some people on because there were some really interesting. Uh, interesting suggestions that, you know, some we can make happen uh, more easily than others. But, uh, you know, somebody suggested RJ Scaringen. I think that it, it would be fantastic. I'm, I'm yeah, working I on mean, that. I mean, hopefully that one happens because, like, I, that'd be great. I'd just love to, to chat about Rivian. That company fascinates me. Um, and, uh, you know, there are a couple of other people that we're friendly with that we should, we should figure out how to get them on. Uh, so uh, hopefully that, that helps keep us interesting. I'm sure, I'm sure people yeah. get tired of listening to me be like both Waldorf and Statler <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> so, uh, and and on that yeah, note, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're young. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, I'll leave it at that. So, thanks for listening. We'll catch everybody next week. All right, bye. thanks everyone. Bye.